Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to listen to is an old episode of a podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. But not just any episode. Believe it or not, this time around, this is the very first episode of this prog- of, of this podcast. Uh, so if I sound a little bit... I'm not the most animated guy to begin with, but if I sound even more, you know, a little bit flat and whatnot... That was still me kind of finding my legs as far as you know, how I my style of hosting for podcasts and whatnot. So be a little bit forgiving as I much, much earlier in my podcasting career <laughs> was still finding myself. Uh, this episode originally aired August 7th, 2013, and as I mentioned, was the first ever. Uh, it kicked off a several-year run for that show, and I've said this before, I have fond memories of that podcast. Uh, I occasionally debate bringing it back, but ultimately have to settle on letting it lie where it is. I did it. I had a lot of great times with it, and it's just I did it until it was time not to do it anymore. Is kind of the short way of saying uh, of the, describing the lifespan of that podcast. But before I get, I throw you back in time to myself and Mark Radlich talking about the Terminator, which was an interesting choice for my first ever podcast. Uh, my first ever hosted podcast. I obviously contributed to many others before that. Uh, thank you in advance for any bits of interaction with this product you give it. Like, comment, subscribe, written review, star rating, and share if at all possible. Our sponsors for the episode. First up, let's talk music. Since we're talking Terminator, it does have one of the iconic kind of hooks for a, a theme song. Then you have the very, very classic da dun 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 dun. I can't do music. I don't sing. And that's very, very obvious. Uh, but if you would like to listen to that or any other of the 70-plus million songs available on the Amazon Music Unlimited service, we're offering you a free 30 days of that. Go to getamazonmusic.com w2mnetwork. There's a link down in the description as well. And fill out the little form, and you get 30 days, no fuss, no muss, of access to Amazon Music Unlimited. After that, if you'd like to keep it, they start charging you. If you just want to have the free 30-day trial experience, hey, I'm not going to judge you one bit, and you'll get it, and it's a great service, and then after that, you can just go back about your life as it was before. So, again, get amazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Our other sponsor is Grammarly. For you listeners of the W2M Network, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free. There will also be a link to that in the description below if that's your preferred methodology of getting there. All right, with that out of the way, let me pitch it back to myself. Uh, poor little, little younger, more innocent me hosting his first ever podcast. Uh, how far we've come, how far we have not come <laughs> in some respects. Past me, it's all you, buddy. I already know you're going to do great.
But the devil is too busy And that's a bit too much They call on me By name you see All my special touch To the gentleman I'm misfortune To the ladies I'm surprised But call me by any name Bad Guy Podcast. I am not Mark Radlitz, though he is kind enough to let me utilize his Blog Talk Radio account. I am Robert Winfrey, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me, if you have chosen to do so. I hope you have. Tonight, since we're starting out, I we have chosen to examine part of the Terminator franchise. It seemed a good enough place to start. It's not a huge name franchise as far as bad guys go, so if we screw up horribly and this becomes just awful, then it will be easy enough to move past and forget, and there should be a lesser amount of hate. Uh, If you don't mind, I'd like to get a wee bit autobiographical. I have loved villains since I was a kid. I saw The Lion King in theaters when I was a child, and I thought Scar was awesome. The fact that he has one of the best Disney villain songs ever probably helped, and Jeremy Irons doing phenomenal voice acting, and from there, I've never looked back. I have been a huge fan of villains, any genre, any medium. A good villain makes everything else better. It's absolutely vital that you have a great villain as far as crafting a good story. It goes and it transcends you know, all time. You need a great villain. I decided to start doing this partially because of some of the backlash that's been going on over Iron Man 3. We're not discussing that here, but and I don't want to spoil anything if anyone hasn't seen it, but... The the handling of the Mandarin has been generating some controversy between people who are fans of the comic books and have just been into the movies and like seeing blockbusters. So I figured this would be a good time to start looking into this particular theme with that fresh on everyone's mind. I do not have a regular co-host yet. I'm hoping to get one eventually, but since this is just starting, we're still going by kind of the seat of our pants. I do have a special guest today. He hosts a variety of podcasts, The Long Road to Ruin, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show. He guest spots on the Three Beards every now and then. I'm doing all this plugging for him, and I'm sure he's going to thank me for that. If you could welcome my first guest, and hopefully he brings the same level of excellence that he has to everything else, it is Mark Radlich. How you doing, Mark? Good evening, sir. Let me get my, my villainous uh, greeting out there, since that's the name of the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I need to thank you again for letting me piggyback on your... It makes things a lot easier when I don't have to worry about as many time constraints. <laughs> sure, anytime, buddy. Uh, so, we're talking about Terminator tonight. Uh, for the, I'll plug a bit the second half of this. This is part one of two. Tomorrow evening, roughly the same time, I will be looking at 
Arnold as the Terminator is a bad guy with Stuart Lange. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but for this part, we wanted to look at Arnold's T-101 Terminator as more of a good guy opposite the bad guys of Robert Patrick and Christiana Loken as the T-1000 and T-X, respectively. So, Mark, how did you... I don't know, how old were you when those when when T2 came out, when Judgment Day came out, the big blockbuster, recently ranked number three by Jeremy Thomas at 411 on his top 16 greatest blockbusters of all time. How did you receive? Let's see. Uh, it was July 1st, 1991 um, when it came out. So I was, I was a freshman, I think. I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school uh, in 1991, um, which gives you an idea of how old I am now. And I remember riding my bike to the Sunrise Mall in Massapequa to go see Terminator 2. And uh, that whole, everything surrounding that movie itself was just phenomenal and chock full of really good memories for me. Um, you Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. Um, you know, the, the kid who's in the movie, um, gosh, what's his face? Well, he hadn't gotten terrible yet. You know, um, child actors are weird that way. They either start awful and become tolerable, or they start good and become awful. Yeah, yeah Edward Furlong had not gotten horrible yet. Um, he was actually very, he was actually really, really good in this. Uh, just everything about the movie was fantastic, and Terminator to this day remains one of my favorite franchises, despite what Hollywood has done to it in recent years. Uh, blame Mick G, not Hollywood. <laughs> no, it's all Hollywood's fault. Hollywood's the big evil entity. Well, then at some point down the line, we'll do a podcast demonizing Hollywood because they're apparently they make great villains to those of us who are fans of. Excellent. Sign me up. I will if we get around. So Robert Patrick's T1000, liquid metal, can form himself into anything. A different take for those of I'm assuming everyone listening to this has heard, has seen the movies. You get. In the very beginning, you get the same Arnold entrance that you did from the first, and you get Robert Patrick kind of miming how Kyle Reese came into the picture. He's human. He's moving around very quickly. He's stealthy. He knocks. Pe he looks like he just knocks people out to get their clothing. And you've got Arnold who drops into the middle of the desert, stands up, walks into a bar, proceeds to beat the crap out of a bunch of bikers and take their clothes. You get the reveal a little bit later about Robert Patrick actually being the bad guy and Terminator's the good guy, but how did that compare for you at least you have the t-1000 the next level of terminator in a lot of ways versus he calls himself an obsolete design in the third one but you get the sense it's kind of the same thing here he's outmoded he's overmatched after being made so phenomenally unstoppable in the first one now you have that same unstoppable creature and he's facing down something even worse i loved it um i i really enjoyed the visual juxtaposition of Arnold, who's this hulk of a man, no pun intended. Uh, but, you know, what What do we know of Arnold? Um, he's sort of a so-so actor trapped inside of a huge hulking body, you know, former um, former weightlifter, uh, Mr. Universe and all of that. And that's what they used Arnold for, especially in his early movies, you know, Commando, Hercules Goes to oh, New York. Oh, his very first one, his... Oh, Hercules in New York, I think, was his first one. And his, voice, his accent was so thick, they had to dub him over. Right. It was that awful. But that's what they used him for. And so, you know, everyone has to remember that before Terminator became the sort of sci-fi's post-apocalyptic franchise, it started out as basically a slasher movie. 
um, it was you know it was a monster running after uh, a damsel, you know, and her savior. And you can you can throw all the other stuff on it that you want, but that's what it was. It was a chase to bring him back and then cast him as the hero opposite. And this is what I mean by the juxtaposition. If you compare just Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Robert Patrick, you would assume Robert Patrick would get his ass kicked eight ways from Sunday, which makes it awesome that he's so much more um, unassumingly powerful. They gave him a great gimmick. This was the this was I think one of the first uses of the uh, the liquidation uh, special effect. You know, yeah, solid. Yeah, it was. And the spe- speaking of special effects, they're awesome in that movie. Those special effects still hold up today, which should tell you something about the craftsmanship and whatnot that went into that movie that all these years later, you could hold that up to anything more or less that has come out of Hollywood. Well, what's great, (laughs) what's great is if you ever watch my, one of my favorite things and my, my wife's not a fan of gross. Um, so I always love to wink when, whenever the original Terminator's on, I love to make her watch the stitch scene in uh, the bathroom in the original Terminator. One, because it's horrible. (laughs) Oh, I love so much of that scene until you pull back and see the awful, like, claymation Arnold face. You expect Gumby to come up, to just walk past him and go, my God, man, what happened to your face? It's, uh, so, it's so bad. It's, so, it's, it's sad about that because so much of the rest of that scene is awesome. Right. And then you pull to that horribly done <laughs> bit of animatronics. Okay. You you have to wonder why they just didn't cut that or or try to play with it a little bit more. But to get back to the original topic, um, when you when you put that against Robert Patrick doing the shape shifting special effect gimmick and it coming off flawlessly, I mean we live in an age where people complain about movies like The Phantom Menace because it's so much CGI. Well, I mean, what is that? It's CGI, but it but it looked seamless. So to, to your point, there was a lot of great craftsmanship there. But they they used it to – they weren't overly reliant on it because Robert Patrick still had to be menacing. And so he had that quiet sort of um, sociopathic uh, menacing quality about him. And it was put against this hulking mass of, a, of, of an already established monster in Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I really enjoyed that. I liked the interplay between the two characters. It was nice to see the – because – in the first one, I don't want to get too heavily into it, but you had the opposite scene. You had, um, I can never remember the guy's name, but I love his acting nine times out of ten. The guy who played Kyle Reese, and I'm going to kick myself as soon as you say his name because I can't remember it. But he's done, I, I love him in a lot of movies that he's done, and he doesn't get as much play as I think he deserves. But you had a very everyman character there against this hulking monstrosity. And then in this one, you have a very different villain. You have, I mean, the Terminator was very methodical, very slow-paced. He was going to keep coming. He was going to get you, and there was nothing you could do about it. And then now you, you the have name? this... You want the actor's name, by the way? Yes, please. Michael Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Oh, thank you. B-I-E-H-N. Yeah, he's... I, I've enjoyed a lot of the stuff that he's been in, but I can never remember his name. For, it kills me, because I like the guy. But when you compare... Uh, dang it, I lost my turn. Okay, I got it. But when you compare a... Stealthy, could be anywhere, menacing sociopath that you got in Robert Patrick to the hulking figure. It does, you're right about it. Switching the interplay up a whole lot. Plus, one of the things that I liked about it was as the first movie went on, you kind of saw the Terminator degenerate. Whereas you got the opposite effect here with Robert Patrick. You got him getting stronger. He got access to more forms because he touched things. 
he had a couple of really cool kills, and that I think is a really important hallmark of a great villain is the type of kills that you give them. My favorite and, kill in Terminator 2 is um, when he kills the security guard. Absolutely, because he comes up out of the ground. He was a puddle on the ground and shoots the guy through the eye with the fing- with his finger that he turned into it. But it's it's and it's it's how that team plays out that's so great. One of the things that makes Robert Patrick, I think, a a really a genuine genuinely uh, scary and menacing villain is that instead of being sort of bombastic and over the top and villain villainy. He's just, you know, the guy doesn't know what to make of what's going on here. I mean, basically, this really, really creepy fella walks up to the security guard, sticks his finger in his eye, and it quickly, you know, becomes a knife. And it's and it's just that that whole like you know the guy's in deep shit because you've been with this you've been with this character up to this point you know what's going to happen but how is he going to do it and when is and you and you just if it can produce that moment where you want the guy to run the victim to run away then it's it's and it's an effective use of tension um, in a scene that's that's supposed to have it and so that that and and they do that throughout the entire movie I think sometimes the the Terminator franchise you know, not this one especially but overall gets unfairly maligned but terminator 2 had a lot of great cinematic um cinematic uh scenes that that use I, all the elements of movie making very well i agree i think another one of his great kills um, a tribute to the character this one isn't robert patrick is the one where john connor calls his foster family and the mom is and you get the mom on the phone and the dad walks off screen and he's you get the sense that the dad's kind of a douchebag anyway. And she just sticks her arm off screen, and you hear the chunk of something, and then the ter- and Arnold is now mimicking the kid's voice at that point. He hangs up the phone, and you cut back to her, and you just the camera slowly pans to the left, and you reveal the arm that has turned into a sword that is stabbed through the milk carton into the guy's face. Right, and it looks like a steel beam from a building that just swung into the living room. Uh, it, that was another really nice sequence as far as that goes and if we're since we're going to talk about the other one too which doesn't work as well if you don't mind going a bit long road to ruin here all the great things about robert patrick as the tx the reverse can be applied to christiana loken as the as the t-1000 robert patrick was the t-1000 i apologize to her as the terminatrix or the tx all of the good things about Robert Patrick, all of the menace, all of the quiet, scary moments, the ability to emote with his eyes, then you get the TX. And for me, it's just not nearly as effective a villain. Of course, you also have Skynet being kind of the bad guy there, but here's supposed to be the manifestation. Here's supposed to be what you're afraid of. And I got no scares out of her at all. Period, no, by this at point, any point. By this point, Terminator had gone from being a horror movie to uh, just an action movie. And I'll tell you what, I don't remember anything about her other than the news story, the buzz about the movie that came about after um, scenes were released where Arnold Schwarzenegger slams her head in the toilet. That seemed to be the big thing that everyone was upset about. Whoa, how could you put a woman's head in the toilet? It's not a woman. It's a it's a machine. It's not a machine. It's a chicken. You know, I, that's what I when it when that's all I can remember about that character. It's not particularly memorable. The only other thing I even remember about this movie, other than the ending, which then launches Salvation, is, is a whole uh, other mess. Yeah, which is a whole other mess. 
Um, that should we ever have time, I think you should. I'm a long road to ruin. Discuss the Terminator. Oh, different yeah. time, different topic. Yeah, well, believe me, we 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 will get there with great care. But um, sticking with with the topic of just villains, the problem was they they tried to recreate the magic in a bottle that was Robert Patrick, and instead they created a really really silly villain in a big action epic. The, this is what I was getting at. The only thing that I remember in this movie that ever stood out to me was the big car chase scene where um, you know, where, where they were using a semi because everything has to be bigger and better and you know, the explosions have to be bigger and Michael Bay. So, well, to be fair to that, I love that car chase sequence too and Arnold using the big crane that he's driving. I thought that was a very well done scene, but when you look at kind of the magic of one and two, one of the big parts of that is the villain. It is the opposing force, the you know, what they're up against. And you have initially the unstoppable Arnold Schwarzenegger and at the end the metal skeletal structure. In two, you have something even better in the T-1000 and Robert Patrick. You have this entity that could be anywhere at any time that will use subversion, that will have, and that still manages to maintain the machine quality. And the only thing robotic about the TX was the acting. So let me ask you this then. As far as, as, far as the... T-1000, because that seems to be the highlight as far as villains go. The, this whole franchise tanked after the first two in a lot of ways. Looking at what they did in the TX, I want to ask you, if assuming you're dead set on having a female Terminator, let's play a little fantasy matchmaking here. Who would you cast that could not possibly be worse than the one they got? But who would, in a perfect world, if you have to cast a female Terminator, who would you go? You know, I think... I would have actually gone in the opposite direction. Because if you think about everything I said about Robert Patrick, you know, he's um, a smaller man than um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Therefore, it's interesting uh, visually to see him beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. But you've already now done that. And so to prevent going back to the well again, I would have found a bigger woman than Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would have gone in completely the opposite direction. Um I don't know how many of them existed, but I'm sure you could have cast it. And, you know, I'm sure if you sent out a casting call for Amazons, one would have showed up. That was passable. And don't, no, you when know, that came out, you probably still had China, actually, who would have done it. If you need just the, the Shawn Michaels bodyguard, robotic, big buff woman. I think she was still in that ba same physical shape when that came out, wasn't she? It was 2003. Um, I don't remember when China left uh, the WWE, but, you know, it was WCW explodes about 2001. So you figure, you know, okay, just so two years after that. Close. Yeah. It would have been closer. I see where you're going with that. That, that actually might have made it more interesting. Well, you know, that's the thing, you know, look, the hero has to be in peril. So the villain has to be menacing. And you can't keep doing the same villain over and over and over again. That's boring. Not to mention the fact that you would think the fucking robot would have figured out by now how to deal with the shape-shifting Terminator. Plus the fact that I don't see the point in doing that same gimmick over and over and over again. So, you know, fine. You know, so well, you, especially when it's not used was kind of the thing. Here you have, right. you know, it's a better robot. It's still covered with liquid metal, so it can still shapeshift. And she keeps the same exterior the entire movie. You know, or if you, if you insist on using, you know, a hot woman, then give her a multiple man gimmick. You know, this particular, you know, thing can self-regenerate. And, cre and create copies. So now, you know, and, and then, I don't know, make it Megan Fox. <laughs> you know, so that lots of Megan Fox bursting out of her tube top surrounding Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure, why not? Do not give Michael Bay ideas. <laughs> I'm just saying, the man's already 
supposedly helming Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- uh, Turtles movie. And I just wish to send out to the universe, Michael Bay, stop abusing my childhood. I will find you. <laughs> Anytime I hear good. someone say that, I always think of the Red Letter Media guys and Mr. Plinkett. <laughs> so uh, George Lucas didn't rape my childhood. Polio did. <laughs> That's a good one. Now, that was my thought when I heard he was doing Turtles after after what he turned Transformers to now give him the Turtles. I mean, how are you going to make things blow up in a Turtles movie? Anyway, um, I give him enough money, he'll find a way. But I think to answer your question simply, either they had to go bigger than Schwarzenegger, or they had to give, or they had to give a rope the robot some a new gimmick that was more menacing than shape shifting. Yeah, I agree completely. So back on the positive side of things, the T one thousand, one of my personal favorite sequences involving him, and he had some great kills. But I think for me at least, kind of the moment when you got the chills down your spine, sort of that indicates a good villain, was when he's got Sarah. It's in the final sequence, and he's got Sarah pinned against the wall with one of his needle fingers, and he's slowly twisting it, and he's telling her, call to John. And he's just deadpan almost. There's something to be said for villains that are over the top and enjoy their sadism, and there's something also altogether disconcerting about him being so detached from the act of inflicting pain on this person. Well, I like the implication that there was no... And they they did this actually with even the first Terminator. That was actually part of the marketing. Um, But I don't want to steal too much of Stuart and your thunder for tomorrow. So uh, I'll keep it on... on, on the T-1000, was there was no reasoning. There there was no ability to connect with this character as the victim or potential victim. There, there was, what were you going to say? You know, I'll pay you. You know, I'll give you anything you want. Stop, I have a child. I mean, there was, he, it, was a, it was a death machine carrying out its work, car, you know, carrying out its programming. And I think as an audience member, that's where you, you, you feel for um, Edward... Furlong and uh, and Linda Hamilton is if this thing corners you, you're dead. And so that is a hallmark of, especially you know, a villain like this that's meant to be kind of a force of nature. And there are others in that same vein that I do want to get to further down the line, as, assuming this podcast continues beyond the Terminators, and I'm certainly hoping it does. But you do have the force of nature villain that will just you're helpless against by and large. You can try and escape, but there's very little you can actually do. Now, since we have about five minutes left, I know before this, Mark and I kind of agreed we weren't really going to touch Terminator Salvation because that is its own mess. <laughs> but since we have a little extra time, I want to talk a bit about that movie and its severe lack of villain and how much that hurts that movie. Now, I have to confess a little bit, I've never seen the whole thing start to finish. I've seen the whole thing in pieces, but I can never commit myself to sit through it and not so horribly disenchanted by it. Hang on, Robert. Let me let me make this really easy for you and say the problem with Terminator Salvation is the same problem you have with movies like 2013, and to a lesser extent, movies where an asteroid comes out of the sky. You but, mean 2012? Yeah, 2012. Sorry. Um, but basically, any movie where your villain is the weather, you know, or the Earth, um, any movie where any natural disaster movie, this is the, this is the common problem, and that was really the issue with Terminator Salvation. The villain was the situation. So the heroes are constantly having to overcome the situation of living in a post-apocalyptic world, but you never had a focus point. It, w- it would have been as if the rebels were fighting the Empire without Darth Vader helming the damn thing. 
So it would have been rebels fighting stormtroopers over and over and over again, and you would have had these heroes to identify with, but they were uh, essentially just blowing up guys in white suits. That's not that, that that doesn't establish the kind of tension that you want that really brings an audience along. It's 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 you know, I guess it's interesting up to the point where you're where you're having to see how these characters deal with a world that's falling apart around them. But after a while, it's like, well, if this doesn't get somewhere and tell a story soon, um, I'm going to be pissed. So it's more like it, it, Terminator Salvation was more reality television in a post-apocalyptic world than it was a uh, I think the movie that they were trying to set out to create. And that's because it had a a it lacked a person villain that they could point to. Even if even if Skynet had sent out a proxy of some sort to chase them that, down, that would have been nice. That would have been really if they had something. I mean, it says something when the best part of that movie is the slow was. I was sad they didn't go with the original idea of the slow reveal to young Arnold as the Terminator at the in that final sequence. And if they did, and I'm misremembering, it's just because the movie is so horrible. But well, you do I see mean, him, but he's more like a final boss than you know. Oh yeah, just... yeah, I agree. But like, it's sad when that's the big, when that's like one of the highlights of your movie. Is a slow reveal to a CGI'd young Arnold as the Terminator. <laughs> well, you know that as uh, as some other reviewers say, when you when you know when you're big when when you're big Dano Ma when you're um, when you're uh, <clears throat> Final Conclusion is essentially a fan service. You have a very weak movie on your head. Yeah, that's very... Okay, down to one minute and 40 seconds for those of you using the stopwatch at home. I want to ask you something specifically now. I want to go back to term, to Judgment Day and a little bit of the second one. You hint, um, And a little bit of the third one, not the second, the second one we're talking about. When you're discussing the lack of the... As far as robot villains go, and this may be a bit of a stretch here, but I personally, if you're if you have some sort of objective ranking system for villains, if you have robot villains, is there anyone off the top of your head that you would say is a better villain than either? I'll give a little bit away, but is that is better than either Arnold in the first Terminator or Robert Patrick as the T1000? Well, I would tell you that I think Robert Patrick was a better monster villain than than Arnold was. Um, I think Arnold did his jobs, did his job well. Robert Patrick just did it that much better. Um, so I, but just off the top of my head, you know, maybe if on a different day or after you, um, bring up yours, I, I'll go, I should have thought of that, but I honestly can't think of too many. I mean, villains are always, you know, crazy people, mad scientists, demons, you know, interstellar, uh, alien beings coming through a wormhole. Sorry, I can't get that image of Howard the Duck out of my head right now. Um, you know, <laughs> xenophobes with uh, with drooling problems, or you know, I, like I said, one of my favorite monsters of all time is the Predator, um, who is decidedly not a robot. So, I mean, I guess you can. I guess. See, I never got into like Lost in Space. So, you know, the robot that I, I guess there's, there's an evil robot in that. Um, I guess even could... the, even in that the robots not unless you go way back into the television show. Um, the only the only I was thinking mechanized the villain. I was thinking there's the android and alien that turns on the crew. Uh, uh yeah, maybe even I don't. Know, I have a harder time accepting him as a villain just because you don't know about it until too much later. And again, the villain there is the alien. It's not so much the right. <laughs> Although the company, if you want to do a 
corporate one, you could definitely discuss the Wayland yutani Corporation. Long history of being dumbasses as far as, hey, let's take evil explo- explosive alien species and try to transport it to Earth. What a commentary that is on the modern on, on the modern corporation. But boy, is that a podcast for a different day. Um, yeah. Your short answer: I don't know of any other robots that did it better than the T one thousand. That's good. We're overrunning just a little bit here. So come back tomorrow. We'll I will send out the specific data as far as the time concerns after I get with Stuart and we hash that out. Mark, assuming this keeps going, I would love to have you back later for various other villains, assuming you choose to continue to be involved. I told you, man, um if you if you extend this to monsters and talk about you know the misunderstood monster that is the Hulk, you're going to have to book this for three hours because I won't stop talking about it. I believe I do want to do various comic book villains at some point, and certainly monsters. I think this would be incomplete if we didn't devote at least one podcast just to kaiju, and I'll try and get Joseph Lee on because no, I, I assume and I assume he could do to Godzilla what you could do to the Hulk. <laughs> sure, uh, and yeah, anytime you want to have me on, um, and I'm not uh, otherwise engaged in another podcast or in um, family dealings of sorts or going to a concert, um, yeah, I'm always I'm always up for talking movies. All right, that's. That sounds good. Hopefully you will be back, and we will have many more of these in the future. Uh, Thank you for sticking with our overrun. Hopefully it's not too much of an inconvenience. For temporary guest and hopefully return guest Mark Radlich, I am Robert Winfrey, and I'm going to remind you all that the light is only as light as the darkness allows it to be, so keep your eyes peeled for those. And I will see you next time.